Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Betrayed partner here, is it possible for an essay who appears to be devoid of any empathy and struggles to express his emotions other than his pent-up anger, which actually suffer from alexithemia as a result of early childhood trauma? I hopefully said it right. Yeah. Um, so let me just quickly say what I see. First of all, um, all sex addicts, uh, we all struggle with empathy and every addict struggles with empathy. We think of ourselves first. We're used to doing what we want to do and shoving everyone else on the way when we're in active addiction. And um, to be honest, many of us never experienced a lot of empathy growing up and we certainly don't know how to give it. So um, I've often heard said, I'm sure Tammy has too, that empathy is like the last piece that develops um, and it takes a really long time. Um, so um, I'll say one more thing about that. I did write a book about this. I have found it to be helpful. It's called Out of the Doghouse, a relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating. We teach a course in this. One of the things I found over many, many years that men are not particularly understanding of what it takes to heal a wound like this with a woman. And we often think that candy and flowers and being really nice for a few months uh, is going to earn us back what we want. And so that's why I wrote the book. But um, so there are ways for him to look at empathy, to learn how to act empathically, to believe. And when he at some point, hopefully, has real empathy for himself, you'll be able to develop empathy for others. However, the second part of it concerns me, other than his pent up anger, which you, how is that coming out? How is that affecting you? You know, so many of you I hear from and also bring your impact letters into therapy and seeking integrity. And I am sometimes, well, it's, it's, I am a lot surprised that when you tell us what you've been going through, I hear things like I've had things thrown at me. I was held down. Um, I was verbally abused. The wall, you know, he hit the wall or whatever. And, you know, your focus is so much on the betrayal and that's what the work, you know, that's what brought the person in and all that. But I hear from a lot of you that are uh, abused in ways that I don't think I would accept someone uh, that I love experiencing. And so that all for me comes out of pent up anger. You see anger, how is that being expressed? How does that affect you? And by the way, people who are unable to manage their anger are not necessarily people who are working hard in their recovery. Um, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you're getting blamed, but you know, I wouldn't be so angry if you didn't. So that second half is much more concerning to me than the first half, because I want everyone to be safe and everyone to start working toward healing. So, Tammy? Well, I, I actually know, I, I believe I know who this is. And, and I, you know, I, the, this person is not in recovery, may have stopped the acting out behavior, but oh, has done zero, uh, you know, on a healing. So, so, of course, there's pent up anger because it's a pressure cooker because they're not using the tools to do something different. So, so you know, da 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 da, boom. You know, it, and that's. But at the end of the day, that ends up being his choice. So, to you, you know, what do you need to do to be safe? You know, to to not be at the you know at the uh, brunt end of the anger. I mean, you know, like that's unacceptable. You know, so. If he's chosen not to do the work, then 
you know, uh, you know, you know how I feel about you. Take care of you. So. And um, I am just saying, I was going to say, yeah, the focus here is not, I would just take your focus out, even in asking this question. Um, I want you to get your strength, not from whether or not you get empathy from this person, but from the support that you can grow for yourself. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And, and continuing to look for whys to explain the why is irrelevant. You know, it's how are, you know, how is he willing to move forward? And, you know, he has shown consistently that he doesn't want to do anything about that. So, so you could have, you know, some exotic diagnosis for something, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, if somebody doesn't want to change, they aren't, they aren't going to, which almost leads into the next question. How can you tell if an addict is struggling to change outside of acting out honesty, transparency, and consistency from an addict who doesn't want to change enough? Well, I have to say who defines enough Mm -hmm. because your version of enough may be very different than mine. Um, and I'm not really sure what, how the, I'm not sure how the question comes together. Maybe I'm not understanding. And how do you understand if an addict is struggling to change outside of acting out if they don't want to change enough? And something about, can you help? Or, or, or I, I will try. So, so to me, this is re recovery as a process. Abstinence, like I just said, you can, you can stop the acting out and you can still be an a-hole. You know, Dr. Rob has talked about that before. It's like, you know, uh, there's, there's lots of alcoholics who stop drinking and that isn't enough. That is, they, they stop drinking and they're, you know, they're a dry drunk, you know, they, they haven't changed anything. Change is a process, you know, where we, we talk on some of the other webinars too, you know, it's, you know, two to three years, you start seeing real transformation three to five years. And then as long as they don't go, well, I've got this, you know, handled now, I don't have to keep doing it. You know, it's a, it's a transformation. So, you know, uh, but, but it's, a, it's also progress. And, and I've shared this on other webinars, you know, I, I've been in recovery a while every every so often I, I go i wish i was all wrapped up with a bow and i could go yes i'm like you know <laughs> it's not the reality you know but but every I, I i am intentional so like i look at things you know my life and you know progress and room for improvement but i also am going like i like the person I am now more than the two, two years ago, I am confident two years from now, I will be able to say the same thing because I'm willing to do the work. So, so is it fast enough? Heck no. I like, I, you know, if I could have read a book and gotten it magically and, you know, I went to treatment, if I could have left treatment and been all fixed, woohoo! but that isn't the reality. It has been a journey and I continue to learn and grow and I'm grateful. I used to whine about it, but now I'm going like, thank goodness I have the opportunity to continue to grow, you know, and strive for, you know, something new and different um, and like myself better. So I, I'm kind of now grateful that I don't get all wrapped up with a bow. So, um, but the enough, you know, I'm, that, that feels like I want, I want my addict to be different enough, you know, so that I can feel safe. I get it. But, but, you know, if you are seeing positive change, you know, appreciate that, be hopeful of that, communicate what you, what's realistic, what you're really looking for, you know, in the relationship from each other, hopefully you're doing check-ins with each other so that you're actually talking about these things, you know, and how can you navigate the gap of like, I want you to be here. And he's like, I'm doing the best I can and I'm here, you know, and, but, and, and, and I'm saying he and she, but, you know, but, but if you're seeing action, Dr. Rob talked about it before. If you are seeing this person 
take real action, then change comes and it can feel kind of false at first. It's awkward, but, but over time you will continue to see growth. So, and, and hopefully that, that stress will lessen too. So does that make sense, Dr. Rob? Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, I put a book in the chat. Um, I wanted to say something also about that just before we stop, which is, um, oh, well, simply the question, which is, you know, how do I know that this person is in recovery or how do I know? Um, yeah. How do, how can you tell if an addict is struggling to change? And, you know, we've talked about 12 step meetings. We've talked about, um, therapy. We've talked about books and blogs. And, but the one thing I don't talk about enough is that you will see them having relationships with other, with their peers. Now, if they're someone in group therapy or, or they'll be talking to someone at 12-step meetings or a church, or but you're going to see them reaching out. This is a sign to me that they're getting well. They're reaching out and they're having relationships with other men, if they're men, unless they're gay men, in which case, you know, whatever. But hopefully they're having relationships with their peers in recovery. They're going out for coffee. I have seen and been part of a bunch of guys who suddenly decide, you know, we want to go to the track and watch cars, you know, every other weekend or once a month or, you know, so I would look for men in particular to be getting, be joining hobbies, to getting involved more with, um, with your children, with, with uh, the church. I mean, things that are important to the family also, you know, that our guys should and do jump back into or jump into for the first time, real family life. I, I was dealing with an angry spouse the other day and, um, you know, he kept saying, she's angry. She's angry. She's so difficult as you know, addicts tend to complain about our spouses and she was furious. <laughs> she was very, very angry. But when I listened to why she was angry, it was the simplest things. It was, you know, I, I run everything around here. I, I hate to say this, but you know, he's never cleaned. He's never made food. He's never done the laundry. He's never, and he keeps promising to be supportive, but he doesn't actually do it. And I, I can't tell you how meaningful that is in terms of change for a partner to simply see, oh, you know, you haven't got fired this week, or you're helping with these things that we don't deserve an award for just showing up for the things we should show up in, in a family, but you should see those, those changes because we're engaged. Even if we don't want to be, we are engaged with the family and we're thinking of you guys or you, not just ourselves. Anyway, let's move on. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Hi, Robin Tammy. My PA spouse admitted to being sexually aroused. Yeah. Yes by my son's new teacher while i appreciate the honesty when i asked he stated he stopped himself when he saw a ring on her finger i asked him why he would honor a stranger's marriage but not our own can you help me understand this thought process my heart hurts he's allegedly sober since 721 going to therapy bi-weekly and on step eight well let me just start by saying something that all many of the spouses will not like which is um if being aroused by another person is a, a, a slip for him, breaks his sobriety, means he's starting all over again, then he needs to tell you that. But it's not, I'll be myself as an addict. It's not, we should not go to you with every thought, every fantasy, every time we look at someone on the street. That's not your job. And you'll never forgive us if you keep hearing every thought that goes through our heads. You know, we are in the process of, of, um, acting our way into healing but that doesn't it's coming from the outside in it doesn't mean that our thoughts and fantasies you know and i got to tell you 33 years in and there was a time about 
a couple of years ago was something happened. And my first thought was, I want to go see a sex worker. Now, I didn't. I called a friend nearby and I said, let's go to coffee. But I didn't march home and say, guess what, honey? I thought of seeing a sex worker today because I hadn't done anything. In fact, what I did was the right thing to do. So uh, I think that not acting out, not crossing the line to whatever it is acting out, which is touch or, or, or affairs or porn, you know, that is something that if we go beyond, you absolutely need to know. You need to know if we've done something that will, that has meaningfully violated our commitment and our trust in each other. Again, you need to know. But my looking at someone and getting aroused by them and having these thoughts and feelings is what I need to bring to my sponsor and my therapist and the people who are there to support me. And we can work on it and help understand it. And the, the most I need to say to you is, you know, I'm a little bit challenging, Dave, but I'm doing OK. The rest of it doesn't belong with you or you will never forgive me. Every time I have a thought or a fantasy or look at someone walking in the mall, you will never begin to heal unless I narrow what I say to you to the things that are truly concerning for both of us. Um, so spouses, I know you're going to say some of you, well, I want to know every thought and I want to know, I told, I, I just want you to know, even if you did, you wouldn't feel any better. As Tammy says a lot, we ask questions and we ask questions and we ask questions and we'll say as partners, I, I just need to know this one more question and then I'm going to feel better. This is our delusion. And the reality is questions just bring up questions. So, um, hearing this information is just going to make, I think you feel less safe and it's not going to make him any better. So I'm not answering the part about the ring and all that, because I think there's a bigger, and, and here, I'm sorry. And it happened, right? He told you about a thought and a feeling, and he told you completely about it, which again, I think he might've brought to someone else, but does need to talk about. And then the first thing you write about is my, my heart hurts. How could he honor someone else's ring other than my own? Well, if I'm hearing this absolutely correctly, he had a fantasy, but it brings up for you all that heart hurt, which you deserve, but it's not necessarily something he needs to be telling you when you, you know, telling any partner, because this is where you're going to end up. So when you tell me I have blathered away, I think in, in part, because I worry that their spouses are going to say, well, how can you be an expert if I, I don't hear everything and know everything? And, you know, I kind of, I worry a little bit about the spouses who are in a place of uh, Dr. Rob is telling, uh, telling the addict that they can keep secrets. So can you help me out here? Yeah, no, yeah, it's not about keeping secrets, but it, like the first thing I was like, this should have been called to the sponsor. Cause he, here's my, like now, now every time you see your son's teacher, oops, so sorry. Every time you see your son's teacher, what are you gonna be thinking? You're gonna be thinking about your husband being aroused by the teacher. And it's not the teacher's fault. The teacher has nothing to do with this. So I, so I think this is a conversation with your husband. I appreciate that you were being honest. What I think is the best plan for you is to talk to your sponsor, talk to your therapist, you know, have a check-in. Like we just said, the Thanos check-in is like, what's challenging or whatever. It's more about, you know, like I had a, you know, I had a thought and I called my sponsor. I did what I needed to do. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, persistent. Yeah, no, it's same person. So it's one of those where, um, at, at some point having, having the conversation of like, I understand that you're going to have these thoughts. I expect you to work your program, you know, call your sponsor, call your, call your peer support group. You can tell me, you know, like Dr. Rob said, I had a challenging day. Um, but man, yeah, that, that is, 
you, you will constantly be thrown in the churn if every time he has a thought, you know, or, or whatever. And, you know, and, and yeah, kind of a lack of empathy, you know, major lack of empathy to go, well, she had a ring on her finger, you know, so I get it. <laughs> no, no, I get it. But, that, you know, yeah. Dr. Rob, you know, it, it it's the last thing to come. It's, you know, this would be his executive part of his brain, and it wasn't really online when he was telling you this stuff. Uh, but I do appreciate that he was trying to be honest. He just he just didn't do it particularly well. So this is great opportunity for him to talk to his therapist and a sponsor about, and you. I mean, you can say, you know, here's what I would like in the future. Ask for what you need, and and hopefully it's. I need to know that you're talking to your sponsor, that you're taking care of things. I don't want to hear who you're, you know, who you're attracted to. So, and I'm going to do a Tammy. I'll call this a Tammy with mm -hmm. Jane right here, which is mm -hmm. what are you doing for yourself for support? Are you going to 12 step programs? Are you coming to the free spouse? Isn't this what you would do, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you coming? Are you going to the free spouses group? Do you have someone you're working with? Because I understand reaching these conclusions and I understand your heart hurting. I really, really do but this isn't so I'm, and I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. Me too. Yeah, but you really that. need the support of other women. I assume this is a woman who is, who have, you know, gone through this. I saw something or heard something and I immediately lost all faith and thought, Oh my God, how do I, you know, you're not alone in that. I think hearing it from other women or men who are experiencing it would be really helpful. Um, and what I mean by doing a Tammy is she will often go back to, but what, where are the basics here? Are you going mm -hmm. to support groups? Are you mm -hmm. reaching out? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So, well, and, and to your point, like the betrayed partner work group starts on Wednesday, like more support, more education, more cognitive, you know, things, you know, and, and actions you can take, you know, so, so that you aren't the ping pong ball, you know, that, you, you know, you have, you know, you have boundaries on communication, you have boundaries on expectations of, you know, of what you hear and, you know, how you hear it. So, um, so setting up, taking care of you is exactly right. So, okay, next question. Do you think the green book or the big book is more useful to a porn addict? I'm in meetings. I find both being referred to. I only have the green book. Should I get the big book too? I'm assuming big book of AA and the green book is is the S group. Um, now that's interesting because my head went to the big book, uh, the SA book, you know, the, the big, because oh. that's kind of like a big schmuggle. Um, a big schmuggle, well, that was a made up word. But let's go with your, um, well, I'm a New Yorker, right? That'll always be inside of me. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, let's go with your example of the, of the AA big book, which is the big book, right? Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I, I'm like, read one. I know what you're going to say read one it, like like there's so much similar i mean like the 12 steps are the 12 steps you know the, the the thing about the aa big book you know i actually go to my big i go to my meetings and i'm reading yeah anyway but like a lot of it's kind of archaic like there's you know there's re references to stuff that is you know like you have to take it back to historical context you know so you know, i think a lot of the the other books have more current references and may be helpful but but here's the other thing um uh, we have a porn addiction 101 work group that we have a porn addiction workbook 
for it. Now it's different than a big book, but it's helpful in working through getting a plan, getting a, you know, but at the end of the day, the 12 steps are really, there's very little difference in the 12 steps, um, uh, you know, throughout the nuances, but they're substantially the same. So whatever one you're going to read, great is my thought. I'm going to speak to what is the issue. You know, if you're looking for the, there isn't any alcoholic who, sorry, let me say that backwards. Every alcoholic really does need to read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and understand how it was formed and what it means. And so, you know, if you're an alcoholic in recovery and you're a sex, by the way, if you have both issues, please buy both. In fact, there's nothing wrong with buying both and reading both. But I love the green book. I think, so what we're talking about is the, primary literature that those people who go to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous uh, are encouraged to buy and read. It's where the explanation of the steps is. Um, It's where uh, there are stories of people who have sex addiction problems. And there are a bunch of those books with different 12-step programs, like the Big Book of AA. But I tend to think if you're a sex or porn addict, that that green book is particularly helpful from SAA. However, as you heard me say earlier, if the issues involve romance um, and love addiction in addition or, you know, fantasy, uh, I think Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, um, big book, their primary book is excellent. By the way, oh, my God, Tammy, I can't believe my brain is taken up with all of this stuff. I don't know how I get to dinner. Um, There's some stuff, isn't there? Yeah. It's what we do. The next question, essay here, I've been to numerous classes, read various books, and I'm discussing numerous issues in therapy. All of these are good at identifying problems, but are often vague about the solution. There's a lot of talk about doing the work, getting rid of the toxic shame and getting past the trauma. But what are you to do actually getting over the shame and trauma seems to be the missing bit. I'm just coming up on two years out of discovery. I'm finishing up the write-up on my ninth step and have been... Um, had a CSAP for over a year, but there seems to be a piece missing about fixing the issue. How does one actually fix the trauma and get over the toxic shame? Just saying work isn't helpful and I don't expect it to fix immediately, but I'm having the same PTSD responses and having the same fears. Um, Tammy, again, I think it'd be really helpful for you to start and there's yeah, so much here. Like, this yeah, is there like is nine questions. Yeah, yes, it is. So, so they're all good you ones. know, interesting because you're on step nine. So, so I, my experience is steps four through nine really are helpful. I mean, that is doing the work of getting rid of the toxic shame. So um, does it address all of the trauma of the past? If, if you've done a searching and fearless moral inventory, that's step four, and if you have shared that, I mean, here's the, here's the flip side of it, I, and I'm not saying you did or didn't. Um, I know lots of people who left out chunks of things um, that should have been in their four step that would have helped them, you know, navigate, uh, nav- you know, navigate getting rid of the shame. I, and you don't get rid of shame a hundred percent, but you, you know, you learn to identify it um, and not get spiraled into it. I, there, there are trauma, you know, there is trauma work, body work. I mentioned it earlier, EMDR, somatic experience. There may be some specific issues that as your CSAT has identified that you could do some specific trauma work on. Um, the, um, oh shoot. The other thing. Um, oh, the, the 
the finding peace. Uh, there's a free drop-in group on Fridays with Troy Love, but he does that work group, you know, and that really is identifying abandonment wounds, uh, betrayal wounds, uh, neglect. I mean, all of these different wounds, and then the voices of shame that you know that follow up on that, and and understanding and identifying that so that you know which you know, who's really talking? Is it the shame or is it, you know, your adult self, you know, could be really helpful, but, but this is a journey and like great. You're, you know, you're two years in and you are doing the work. Um, hopefully you're doing 10, 11 and 12, you know, cause you, you uh, I'm sure your sponsor and CSAT have talked about that 10 and 11 and 12 are the, are the steps that we do as maintenance steps so that we take care of the mess. Now we don't, you know, have to do this all over again with, you know, fourth and fifth step. Oh, you can, don't get me wrong, but not the major one. I never had to do the, you can major do the whole thing over again. Over I know, but I never did the major. I did the most major and then I've done, you know, pieces, Portions. but I never had to do the major one. I did two it's major ones. Thing. Yeah, no, anyway, I know. But like, let me anyway, answer this. So, we can please. talk about this stuff. We'll compare our, our stuff at yeah. some point. So I have a lot of uh, questions, not questions, but suggestions. Um, and they're, they're kind of different because um, they're kind of different. One thing I just, um, for my own therapy, is I remember a few years in, uh, my therapist said to me, you know, Rob, there's no it. And I, I was like, what do you mean? And basically what she was saying to me is it seemed like I was searching for one thing that happened to me or a couple of things that it I experienced. Does. And then I could say, oh, that's where this came from. Or if I just heal that, then everything's going to be okay. And she helped me understand that there is no one or two or it's the whole thing. It's, it's how I was treated, how I learned things, who I was, what happened to me, when it happened to me. It, there isn't just a, so in terms of doing trauma work, you don't get, first of all, you never get past it. Right. I, I live with the issues that I grew up with every single day and they're pretty crappy issues, but I have learned to be at peace with them. I have learned to notice when they get escalated and say, no, talk to myself. Mm -hmm. I have learned, I was just taking a note to myself that I want to go see my therapist. I haven't been in a long time, but some issues, you know, I, so I go to someone I can talk to. I, um, I, you don't work through them. You learn how to live with them, how to adapt yourself to them and be at peace with them. So I, as that said, I wrote a few more things down. This is one of the reasons we do residential treatment is for people who are unable to really resolve and put together their acting out with what happened to them and find some real trauma work. And so I would just say to you, this is one of the things that we do at Seeking Integrity. It's part of the issues that we deal with. Um, uh, what else did I write about? Um, for me, when I, shame was debilitating and I used to think it was, it was really because of my acting out. And then I got sober and I still had tremendous shame. And actually I, what I had, I figured out later was depression mm -hmm. and it showed up as I hate myself. I'm worthless. I, but that's because I was just so far down. And when I went on antidepressants, it's not that I didn't feel bad, but it was like, oh, that's a thing I could think about, or I could look at it this way. Like I had choice inside of me. And that, so you know, I, I th certainly I think seeing a professional who deals with mental health issues like depression, because there may be other symptoms that you show that you may not think of as a problem. Um, you know, you may just think of them as sleeping in late, for example, um, every day. Um, oh, and the other thing is, you know, and with all due respect, not every CSAT knows. Well, actually, there's two things I want to say. Not every CSAT knows how to do trauma work. And not every True. trauma therapist. And so they may be great at supporting your recovery, helping you have guided through that, helping you. 
um, be informed about the trauma and how it affects you. But working with someone who really focuses on, like Tammy said earlier, somatic work, the body or EMDR, which is a form of trauma release. There are people who are very specific in the trauma work they do. And by the way, that doesn't mean you have to leave your therapist. It means you can say, I want to see someone for a few times to learn about this EMDR thing, or I want to join a trauma group that I go to separate from seeing you. So it can be additive, but trauma work is not sitting down and talking about your recovery. It's actually not really about sitting down and talking about whatever, as Tammy said, it's guided, it's intentional, um, and you either do it or you don't. And we have a friend, here's something else you might consider. We have a colleague who's in Texas and a couple of colleagues around other places who do nothing but trauma work and they will see you for two or three days in an intensive and believe me those things are life-changing because these people really you know they're trained in five different kinds of of this kind of psychological work so you can also reach out and we can recommend you to a whole bunch of people do intensives um around this work uh yeah and workshops and all that kind of stuff and and going back to the a qualified professional who understands addiction to diagnose and treat chronic depression, chronic, you know, uh, clinical anxiety, some of those, because too often people get put on pills that aren't really effective, you know, so, so making sure they have the right diagnosis and the training to do so makes a huge difference, like getting on the right thing if you need it. So, okay, next yeah. question. My essay husband and I are heading toward a divorce since he refuses to seek any treatment, although admits addiction. We share a one-year-old, and I was wondering oh. if you have any advice on co-parenting with an addict who is most likely never seek recovery. I'm just feeling my feelings about that. Yeah. It's just, it's just uh, very sad. Although I will say to you, if it makes you feel any better that the degree of tension and anxiety and conflict and shame and fear that comes up in a home where one parent is not sober and the other parent is worried all the time, that scenario could easily be more damaging to your child than the two of you not being together. And so I know my first thought would be about my child. And I just want you to know that the more consistent, the less tension. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But anyway, I'm so, so sorry. And, um, you know, I, to me, it's a lot, it's about boundaries and it's something that you have to grow. It, it can be something as simple as when we see each other, uh, here's something we're never going to meet at your house or my house. You know, I'll be out front. You won't come in the house, a boundary. Um, I need you to be here within a certain amount of time. Or, you know, I, I think addicts are not particularly good at structure, boundaries. We'll get to it when we have time. You know, you'll wait for us when we're late. Um, I'll just talk about that with you or I'll flirt with you or I'll seduce you. So I think part of them, it, part of what you need to do is have external boundaries, time, place, checking in with other people, whatever, only going to certain places, there are external boundaries of these kids. And then there's emotional agreements you have. For example, I'm not gonna put you down as their dad and you're not gonna put me down as their mom whenever we're in each other's homes. Those are emotional boundaries. And I do think really that this is a therapy issue and it doesn't mean being in therapy forever. I think a couple could have maybe you know, three to five sessions and figure this out. A lot of this is writing it down, making a list, agreeing, having a contract. So I think this is a very, or a coach might be able to help with this kind of thing. Um, so I would, my answer is get help. 
um, and get active live help with people who can help guide you through the through the boundaries of co-parenting. Um, yeah. And as someone who's been there, done that with somebody in active addiction, um, you can set up all the boundaries. I mean, I, keep your kiddo safe, uh, but have realistic expectations that an addict in active addiction is still going to lie. They're still going to do all the things that sell, serve themselves. So making sure you take care of your kiddo, you will, you will do great. The kid will be completely good, but just have, you know, a realistic expectation. So, uh, you know, if, if he can show up and actually follow a plan, that would be fantastic, but he hasn't wanted to follow the treatment plan or anything else thus far. So, and so taking care of you, having child protective, uh, not no front of the court or whatever, um, having, having a plan with the legal system in, in your state, you know, make sure you are doing the research, what you need to know, um, uh, you know, if, if something happens. So um, just trying to be realistic. I want to add one more thing before we stop. I want to turn this first sentence around. You said, mm -hmm. my essay husband and I are heading toward divorce since he refuses to seek treatment. And mm -hmm. I would say that you're heading, I would put it this way. I am headed toward divorce because I cannot tolerate, nor can I have my child mm -hmm. around someone who's unwell. I mm -hmm. ask you to take it back. You know, mm -hmm. whatever he does or doesn't do, you're doing this to protect yourself and your child. Yes. Um, until he shows dem demonstrative, I can't say that word, demonstrative, until he shows healing. Until he's able to demonstrate. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you are taking responsibility for your life and protecting your child. And that way it doesn't put it on him. It, I mean, it, your life is not dependent on what he does. You're taking your own life back. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.